You're tuned in to 90.1 KPFT, the Pusher Mania's playlist show every Saturday night from 10 p.m. to midnight. Now it seems 90.1 FM in Houston, KPFT.org, the TuneIn app, and all kinds of apps you can find this show. And it's with a heavy heart that this week we are dedicating the entire two hours to the man, the myth, the legend, Bob Watson. Bob Watson passed this past week here in Houston with his family by his side. For those who don't know, he was a pivotal player, manager, executive in Major League Baseball. He spent a lot of time with the Houston Astros. He was the first African-American general manager of a Major League Baseball team. Shout out Houston Astros. He spent a very uh, long time in the in the Major League Baseball world from, I think, 1966 to 1980. Incredible player. We've got some great people calling in tonight to talk. I know uh, Pete Nice from the group Third Base, big baseball fanatic, the Trill MC himself, the Trill OG himself, Bun B, will be calling in tonight. Uh, we're going to talk to his son, Keith, who's going to fill us in on more of the details of his father's passing and celebrate his life with us. And uh, we've got Dante Ross, a big-time New York Yankees fan, who's also a baseball historian. In his own right, I had no idea how much he knew about all these things and a big uh, fan of the man, Bob Watson. Big Bob, please rest in peace. Your son, Keith, will always keep your legacy just like he stood by you in these last few years of your life and uh, and for your whole life. And I know that for a fact, uh, Keith Watson... One half of the groove right here on KPFT, one of the longest-running shows on KPFT, as a matter of fact. It happens every Monday night. Big Keith, K-Dub, love to you and your family. He sent me a folder of uh, some of his father's favorite songs we are going to play. This one was not in that folder, but I feel it's only appropriate to start with this one because this one blew my mind way back in the day when, in my youth, this is the saga of Dandy, the Devil, and Day from the Ultra Magnetic MCs, and then it's all soul, funk disco beautiful sounds for the man the myth the legend bob watson rest in power it's the top of the ninth josh kissam is at the plate the bases are loaded it's a three and two count and here's the pitch Players, but they really love baseball. You can ban them from majors. 
but not from the game. With players like Leon Day, who pitched almost every day. His arm would hold up, blowing hitters with smoke away. And then there was Bullet Joe, also with Smokey Joe, King Richard and Savage G, and brothers like Enpo. Next, batter up. Bring it home, Kate. They took the long grain line, it was so fun. Super and strong to play. Three games a day. Hey, hey, Thunder Twins are up and gonna win again. Make the other players say, oh, him again. But what do you know? Black baseball, they paved the way. With players like Dandy, the devil with Dave. Black baseball, they paved the way. With players like Dandy, the devil with Dave. Black baseball, they paved the way. Players like Dandy, the devil with they black baseball. Cool, Papa Bell was cool. Broke any catcher's rule on the base at night. Total speed, flip the light. Coming past, flick flash, he was so fast. Scouts watching it all and what they saw. The best in the game, it's a shame you don't know. Alex and double duty, and don't forget Judy. Talent was there and it was black. Give them their credit votes and fill them a Hall of Fame. Well, I just correct with uniforms in the whole shebang and honor the players. Coaches, fans in the ballpark from the Giants of Phillies to the New York Black Yankees. The Pittsburgh Crawfords, yeah, they don't have to thank me. Just thank the Red Bulls, just thank the A Manleys, just thank Rufus Lewis. A few names that grab me, Black Baseball. They paved the way with players like Dandy, the Devil and Dave. Black Baseball. They paved the way with players like Dandy, the Devil and Dave, Black Baseball. They paved the way with players like Dandy, the Devil and Dave, Black Baseball. They paved the way with players like Dandy, the Devil and Dave, Black Baseball.
tuned in to 90.1 KPFT. This is the Pusher Mania's playlist show tonight. A musical tribute to the legend, Bob Watson. We talked about him a little bit in the intro, played a little bit of music. And our first in- in interview of the evening is a KPFT legend. Some of y'all may or may, most of y'all know if you know the man, Keith Watson of The Groove. He's one half of The Groove with Bobby Fats. Been on this uh, station for more years than most of you, including myself. And uh, has been really putting it down in the music business and music game for a long time. A behind-the-scenes player and a really great brother. Someone I've known for some time and admired for his work and his tenacity and uh, dedication to this craft. And also dedication to his father. We've been watching, I've been watching from afar just through my brother Keith and what he's been telling me about Bob and his progress over time. And right about now, we've got the son of Bob Watson on the phone right now. Keith, what's going on, my brother? Hey, man. How you doing, man? Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate you taking this time to talk to me. I know that this is not the time to be wasting. I know that uh, you've got a lot of things going on in your family, I'm sure. It comes first, as always. But I do appreciate you taking some time to get on these KPFT airwaves and talk a little bit about your father. Well, everybody should know that, you know, you are a family to the Watsons. You know, we go back a long time. Uh, I have nothing but love and respect for you and everything that you do. Pusher Mania has been running wild for a long time, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan, and I'm, I appreciate everything you do, and I appreciate you taking time out to uplift uh, Big Bob's name. Well, same for you, man. I mean, literally, I've told you about 500 million times when my father moved to Houston, we lived off of, we lived on Holly Hall. And Holly right. Hall is a street that runs into the – Holly Hall ends at the uh, outfield of the Astrodome, basically. Right. And uh, I spent a lot of the 80s because, you know, I'm not originally from Houston. My father moved there in 1980. So right. I would come down every summer, and as he would work, especially if there were day games, if you remember back in the day, the uh, outfield seats were only a dollar for kids. Right. So if there was a day game during the summer, I was there for sure. And I went like an hour or two early even and would sneak my way into the good seats. I would do that anyway, but I would buy my dollar <laughs> ticket. And I spent a lot of time in those Astrodome seats uh, yeah. watching the Astros. Now, this was after your father's time uh, as an Astro. Of course, I wasn't even born then, but uh, in the 60s. But knowing his history and, and how much he meant to not only the Astros, I know he's the Red Sox, the Yankees, especially uh, the Braves, but his time with the Astros as when he became the first African-American general manager in major league baseball history, that was in 1994. And I was old enough to know enough how much that really meant. Right. He broke down doors, and I mean, it's it's almost it's sad to think that it was 1994, is that far in, that late in the game, that this finally happened. But your father was a pioneer in this game, and he was always a fighter, always an an incredible voice. And uh, I want to thank you first and foremost for, you know, these last few years and what he's been going through, keeping his name alive keeping us informed, the fan base informed. You've definitely been a a one-stop shop for everything Big Bob, man, to keep us up on what's going on with him and what was happening with him. Can you tell me a little bit, before we go into the history, some people might not know what happened. Like, what was going on in these past few years in in your father's life? Well, 
um, he was diagnosed with stage four kidney disease. And um, in conjunction with uh, other serious health ailments, it basically uh, excluded him from the uh, kidney transplant list. And uh, to the point to where, you know, my sister and myself both had offered our kidneys to him and he turned them down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, you know, more a sign of his character as a man and um, just saying I'd rather go the dialysis route and let's just see where that takes us. And when he finally got assigned dialysis, they told us he could either live, you know, six months or you could live 10 years. We don't know how long this is going to go, but this will keep you alive. Right. And so from that point forward, um, everything else became secondary. And it became about taking care of him. And I assumed the role of his full-time caregiver. And I allowed, you know, fortunately, I had some residual income coming from my catalog of music. And that basically afforded me the luxury of being able to concentrate on taking care of him full time. And so that's what I have done for the last four and a half years. Um, you know, it was just a, you know, it was something that had to be done because of his condition. And, uh, so for four and a half years, he just fought a really valiant fight, um, against kidney disease, uh, and other, you know, he had severe rheumatoid arthritis. He had a pacemaker. He had, a very severe, rare blood disease called HLA. So he was suffering a, uh, from a, a variety of things, and it just it had bec- it became my full time job, and it was something that I, I was proud to do. Well, he's not suffering anymore, and he was very literally a fighter till the end. It sounds, and uh, much respect to him and to you for being his caregiver and taking care of your father like that. Can you tell me, on a totally different note, can you remember back when you were young, young, and first realized what a big deal your father was? Yeah, I I do remember. It was was an interesting road trip. He took me on first father and son road trip. I I think I was about six years old. Mm -hmm. And I knew... Right when we got on the plane, that things were different because people were coming up to him and they were shoving things in front of him and they wanted him to sign them. And I just remember looking at these people, why why is he signing things for these people? Mm -hmm. And we got to Chicago and he took me out to center field. And if you know anything about the, 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 the Wrigley field fans they're oh, yeah. notoriously harsh yeah and for the first time i just heard a sea of curse words <laughs> wow. that were aimed at him and he's looking at me like don't pay any attention to that we're down here and they're up there it's gonna be it's gonna be okay now i assume, I assume moment, this is the 70s yeah this yeah. had to be 1976 Okay. 
And in that game, he made an unbelievable catch where he ran into the ivy and hit the ball, but he broke his nose on the wall. Wow. And I remember being, I was, I was, I, I was too young to be in the dugout at that time. So I was in the clubhouse with the clubhouse attendant. I, I didn't have a seat. I was watching the game on TV in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And I just remembered they had this, this gurney and they wheeled him in and there was police everywhere and they were trying to get him on. And he had, and he was bleeding out of his nose. And I remember just being shocked. But I think I was more shocked at the number of people that were helping him. Right. Like, wow, all these people, look at all these police and look at all these, and they're, you know, and they're telling me everything's going to be okay. And he's telling me, go, you know, with the clubhouse guy, they're going to take care of you. I'll see you later. They just got to fix my nose. Man. And that's when I, he was a special kind of guy because he's talking to me and giving me directions with a broken nose. What team was he playing for at that time? The Astros. The Astros still in 76. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Man. I think I actually have, I'll have to tag you to the picture of him actually running into the, I have a picture oh. of him running into the Ivy and making that catch. Yeah, someday, uh, being family and all, um, I'm going to need to come dig through your archives one day. We're oh, going to have yeah. to sit down and go through all that someday. I can only imagine. Man, I can only imagine. Now, you moved around a bit, though, because when, when he left the Astros, did he, was the Yankees right after that? So it went from the Yankees, I mean, no, from the Astros, Astros. to the Red Sox. Red Sox, yep. Traded in the middle of the season in 79. Okay. To the Red Sox. And then after the 79 season, he signed a free agent contract with the Yankees. Okay. We were in, 80, that was 80, 81, 82. And then he got traded to the Atlanta Braves in 83. Right. And so he retired with the Braves, and that was in 1985. Mm-hmm. And he took a job as the bench coach for the Oakland A's at the, in the summer of 1985. So you grew up in Houston, New York, Atlanta, and Oakland? Yes. No wonder you got in the music business. Yeah. <laughs> it was, Man. It was my friend. So. Yeah. You know, when you're always the new guy, you know, there's that breaking in period where people decide whether they like you or not, or some people decide, you know, in my case, people, some people knew me already and I didn't know who they were. And But the constant was always music. And, and because of Big Bob's relationship with all these record company people, his music collection was outrageous. Right. So a lot of my days were spent just rifling through his wax and listening to these records. Man. So I'm having else to do. And so, and, and, and then he got a, he got a, like a endorsement deal with Panasonic. Like in 1980. I feel like I've seen that. He did magazine advertisements and stuff too, didn't he? Yep. Like he was in those. Yep. I remember the, cause I love, if there's one thing I love, like old Playboy magazines and stuff are cool. And, and, yeah. and the women are cool and all that, but I love looking at the crazy like seventies and eighties advertisements in those magazines, like with the hi-fi stereos and yep. crazy cars. Those those are always yep. the dopest thing in the world to me. Yeah. So just think he had this deal with Panasonic. So we had the we had the top loader VHS. Yes. 
player. We had the big the big Panasonic boombox with the eight inch woofers. Man. We had mini boombox. We had the Panasonic version of the wall, all these electronics. And in 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 nineteen eighty, this was like what? This is unbelievable. It was nobody had these things. It was, but he, Bob had them. Man. And so, you know, I once I got a whole he gave me this little mini boom box and I could tape the radio. And so that's when I started taping the radio everywhere we lived. So I taped WBLS and Kiss FM in New York. And I taped, you know, uh, uh, Magic here in Houston. I taped uh, uh, Magic in Atlanta. <laughs> I taped, you know, uh, right. uh, K-Day in Los Angeles. I used to spend my summers in Los Angeles with my grandparents during the baseball season. And I would take stuff off of K-Day. In L.A., mixtapes, KML and Cisco. Just I, you know, I used to. I was a, 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 a from very early on. I was already a musician. I was a drummer, but music was was my constant companion, and it was provided to me by Big Bob. Man, that's dope. Well, we should get into a longer podcast someday and talk about your whole history of music because a lot of people don't know. I don't know everything, that's for sure. And I know there's you've got because you you're an undercover brother, man, in this music industry. Yeah, you've yeah. done a lot, and uh, people don't understand. Uh, one of the things about one of the reasons I've never people are always like Matt. Why don't you write the Houston rap book? Why don't you write the Houston hip hop book? I'm like. Cause I know a lot, but I don't know everything, man. And I wouldn't want to make it incomplete, man. There's so much that gets left out. So many things and right. uh, through these podcasts and these discussions. I think that's a great way to get real information out the real talk from the real people. And uh, I really appreciate you giving me this time, man, talking about, this is a musical tribute to your father. So in yes. and, and to end this interview, I would love to know you, you, you know what you sent me. You sent me a nice file of some of his favorite songs could you tell me yes. what song you would love for me to play next? Something that meant a lot to you and your father. You would hear in the car with him and hear in the house with him. And that, that something that meant a lot to you guys. Okay. So there's, there's, there's probably, if there's one record out of all of the records that I sent you, it would be the James Brown, make it funky part one through four. Oh, all four parts. Not all four. You ain't got to do all four. I wouldn't but, mind. I wouldn't mind. The, the listeners probably wouldn't mind either, but we want to get everything in tonight. Right. So that's, that, that, that was his favorite, but I can also, let me also tell you, the, 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 out of all of the, those records, there's probably another one that really probably would, would hit the, and that would be, George Benson, freezing. Man, crazy. And what's crazy about that record is, you know, my cousin, former road manager for YZ, Promo Sweet Love, Bobby Fine. Sure. They actually rapped on the Breezing sample with YZ for the Tower with the Power. Man, see, that's history. Yeah. Crazy thing is looking at this playlist, that's what my mom's albums were like. That's what my mom's record collection was like. So I had one side with Frank Zappa and Pink Floyd and those sort of things, and I had another side with Ohio Players and George Benson and 
right. James Brown, those sort of things. And that's where I grew up and w- listening to, man. And, and so when I saw that list, I was like, I was reminiscing a lot myself. Yeah, those were all records that at different points in time when when he was a player, those were all records that he jammed on the way to the ballpark. Man, it's beautiful. Well, thank you for your time and all this reflection. I know a lot of fans out there are going to want to hear this show and uh, reminisce about the man, the myth, the legend, Bob Watson, Big Bob, rest in peace, rest in power, rest in heaven. Everything you did for us, everything you did for the sport will never be forgotten. And your son, besides all of us, forget all of us, your son, I know for sure, will never stop riding for you. And uh, it's always been a beautiful thing to see how hard you've gone for your father, man. I've always admired you for that, among other things, Keith. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving uh, your platform, you know, to uplift his name and his legacy and the things that he wanted to bring to the city of Houston, to the state of Texas, Mm -hmm. United States of America, to the world. And what I can tell you is is, uh, all the places that he took us, all the places that we we lived, Houston has always been home. It's where I was born. It's where my sister was born. It's where no matter wherever we went out in the world, we always come back home to the age. Isn't it funny like that? That's something else we share. Like I live in Austin right now with family. But the fact of the matter is, I'm, Houston's not my hometown, but it is my home base, for sure. Yep. My home base. Houston yep. is where you can always go. You can always go back to Houston. You can always function in Houston. It is the most underrated city in the world, and I'd like it to stay that way to an extent, man. Just because Houston, I used to have a website called Houston So Real, and that was for a reason. It's the yep. re, it's one of the realest places on the planet, man. For better or for worse, it's a great city filled with amazing human beings. And go Astros, no matter what. We don't care about all these scandals. In fact, we, next, we'll we talk about that on your personal podcast because I'd like to know your father's thoughts on some of that. No, but not right now. <laughs> not right now. We won't get into none of that right now. <laughs> We're going to get into Revolution and play some James Brown. For the man, Big Bob, you're tuned in to 90.1 KPFT Houston, the Pusher Mania's playlist show tribute, musical tribute to Bob Watson. Thank you so much to his son, Keith Watson, Monday nights on the groove. Are you guys still recording? You guys still on? Yep. Through still the on. pandemic, we'll be having a new show uploaded. We'll be ready. Well, you know that's why I'm back. That's a, that's one positive out of the pandemic. I'm back on KPFT, baby. Yeah, that's back what home. I'm talking about. Back home. And we glad to have you back, man. Saturday nights, 10 p.m. to midnight. The Pusher Mania's playlist show, and I've been filling in on Damage Control, 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. on Wednesdays. It's been a lot of fun. Big up yes, KBFT and big up Keith, man. Your whole family, send them my love, please. I will, man. Thank you for everything, sir. Thank you, brother. All right. What you gonna play now? Bobby, I don't know. But whatsoever I play, it's got to be funky. Yeah. One, two, three, make, make it, it funky. Make it funky.
we pray, Brother Watson, that you are jamming in heaven right now, listening down to the sounds that your son provided us uh, in tribute to you. Bob Watson, for those who don't know, the first African-American general manager in baseball, one of the uh, one of the greats, greats in Major League Baseball history, has passed away in Houston. You just heard the story from his son himself, Keith Watson, a.k.a. K-Dub from The Groove right here on KPFT. He's on every Monday night here with Bobby Fats. A legend in his own right, a musical legend in his own right. And he sent me a bunch of the songs, a, a list of songs that were some of his father's favorites. And tonight is just a musical tribute to the man himself. That was MFSB, a huge collaboration, a huge coll- collection of musicians, I believe all from Philadelphia. If not all from Philadelphia, they came together in Philadelphia. The song was called Love is the Message. And isn't it though? Before that, George Benson with Breezin and James Brown, Make It Funky Part 1. That was uh, by request right there from Keith Watson telling me those are two of his dad's favorites right there. We've got a whole folder of favorites here we're going to throw down for you in the next hour or so. In the second hour, we've got interviews with Bun B, Pete Nice at third base, and Dante Ross coming up. And uh, just more music. Uh... I wish we had all night, to be honest, to give it up to the man, the legend, the man who gave so much to baseball in that Astrodome. Reason enough to keep that Astrodome up forever. I pray you do. The first set tonight was Ultramagnetic MCs, A Saga of Dandy, The Devil and Day, and James Brown's Soul Power. That was the first set. A couple more songs, maybe just one more song till the break. And then top of the hour, a little bit of music, and we're going to jump in with Bun B. Y'all are tuned in to KPFT Houston. This is the Pusher Mania's Playlist Show. My name is Matt Sanzala. And uh, please take your hat off. Please. Honor this man. Rest in peace, Bob Watson.
You're tuned in to the Pusher Mania's playlist show. Tribute to Bob Watson. May he rest in peace. We will be right back after a few messages right here. We're going to do our thing and come right back with more music. And like I said, incredible interviews. Stay tuned. <laughs> 